Welcome to Electric Sports Talk, your one-stop show for all things sports. Here at Electric Sports Talk, we focus on sports and only sports. And now, here's your host, Ty Crystal. Hello, ladies and gentlemen. Welcome to Electric Sports Talk. That's right. I am your host, Ty Crystal. We're back with a CFP Top 15 episode. In this episode, we will go through, rank our collective top 15 uh, for the college football playoff. We'll be talking some Heisman later and then giving you guys some highlights. We'll be highlighting some games for you guys to watch coming up this week. Uh, With me today, uh, as always, on the college football rankings, we got Chris. How are you, Chris? I'm dandy. Wonderful day today. Good. And uh, I have Amos, too. How are you doing today, Amos? Great, Ty. How are you? Good. How is uh, the start of winter in our area here treating you guys? I'm over it. I'm ready for summer. Over it already. Yeah. Yes, I'm pretty much fed up with it myself. All right, sounds like we need to be uh, moving somewhere warmer then. All right, uh, so let's get into it. Uh, Right off the bat, let's be talking uh, the struggles with the Pac-12. Obviously, we know they come back very late in the year. Uh, the, they, them and the Mac decided to return uh, later than everyone else on November 7th. And, and so far, the Mac has done pretty well. Um, they haven't had very many games canceled, and their season's off to a pretty good start. Meanwhile, the Pac-12 can't seem to figure out um, you know, what they're doing with their COVID protocols, it seems like. They're having a lot of cases pop up in their programs. Uh, we've already had lots of games canceled. Um, but I feel like USC and Oregon, the favorites in the conference, have been fortunate enough to be able to play their two games so far. Um, and Chris, this was something you specifically pointed and uh, pointed out that you wanted to talk about. So, what about the Pac-12 struggles uh, specifically? Did you want to touch on? Well, I think their COVID protocol has has been good on some teams, absolutely abysmal on other teams. Um, I just absolutely can't figure out why University of Utah has not been able to get it together. And apparently the Arizona schools are kind of suffering the same problem. Um, I think they need to really tighten up on that. I know the Pac-12 had a COVID protocol, um, and I just I can't – I guess the schools aren't adhering to it. I'm not sure what the problem is. But I'm going to be really curious to see if Utah actually makes it to their kickoff on Saturday against uh, USC. Amos, do you foresee these problems persisting with the Pac-12, or do you think that they will you know, get some things under control here and, and figure out how to play some more games moving forward? Well, I think that the, the top teams, USC and Oregon, they have it figured out. Now, if it's because they're getting a little leniency – through their local government help, or if they're just the pro—I mean, they're a top program, so they're going to figure out how to do COVID, and then the lesser teams in the program can't figure it out because they're—that's just how they run their program. They're just kind of middle of the pack teams. I guess where I—I'm confused—is where exactly lay, lays the problem with why these games are getting canceled. We had. I had heard through the Utah-UCLA game that they canceled the game because they didn't have enough a 53-man roster, scholarship roster, uh, is that correct? It was enough scholarship athletes. Right, Right. 53 players, scholarship athletes. So, I mean, was it one person? And the Pac-12 can't budge on one guy? And mm -hmm. I also heard 
that the one of the reasons that they couldn't fill the rosters because. L.A. County wasn't going to let a particular Utah Utes player play, right. even though he had pos- tested negative a certain number of times. Right. It, it was a very interesting story if you followed it with the Utes, because obviously their first game got canceled against Arizona. They go to UCLA, um, and I think they actually like traveled down there and everything. Yeah, and, like and they the, were ready their to equipment play. Taller was there and yeah. ready to roll. And then the next thing you know, we're getting word out of you know UCLA that this game's not going to happen. So I. <laughs> This is the thing that I find weird about Utah specifically, right? Is there are three teams in the state of Utah that are playing right now. BYU, Utah State, and Utah. The only team having problems with COVID are the Utes. Is Utes. So is it something that that program is doing? Are they not like maintaining the a watchful eye over the kids, making sure they're not being irresponsible? Like, What about the Utes program is struggling so much? Maybe it's their location. Uh, in Salt Lake, I don't know, but well, I, I find it very I, weird. I'm with Chris. I think it's the Pac-12 itself. I think UCL or USC, Oregon, they're probably doing their own thing. They're getting the leeway from the Pac-12 to probably do their own thing because they are the flagship of the conference. Mm-hmm. And then everybody else is trying to figure it out. So, I guess where I'm, I'm interested to see moving forward. Wherein the problem lays? Mm-hmm. Is it the is it the program, or is it the conference? Is it the local government that's giving them grief? You know, because obviously Los Angeles County let the Cal Bears come into town to play on a Sunday right. game. I, yeah, I just so wanted, I wanted to ask you that actually. Did you think the UCLA Cal game being played on Sunday? Do you think that's something we're going to see moving forward with the Pac-12 if there's multiple game cancellations? And well, if they're smart, that's what. Games? Yeah, if they're smart, yeah. that's what they need to do. Right. If they want to stay relevant in the national stage in the CFP talks, they've got to play games when they can play games. Yeah, everybody wants to have the primetime game on Saturday afternoon and get the spotlight. Pac-12 blew that opportunity by starting so late, and then. Most, you know, three or four of the teams haven't even played game yet. So they need to play when they can play. And if it's Sunday morning, fine. If it's two teams that weren't scheduled and they can throw something together, great. But the Pac 12 needs to do something and they've got to iron out their differences or their protocols through all levels of whoever has to give them the okay to play the game. And obviously, you know, we need to make sure everyone is safe, but. It's it's really weird how some teams are figuring out this COVID stuff and others can't seem to figure it out. So I guess that's something we're going to have to continue to watch. Um, the last thing I, I think that we wanted to talk about here with the Pac-12 is what is the likelihood that they can sustain cancellations uh, because they're only going to play seven games max the conference champion with a conference championship. Uh, so Amos, to round us out here, What's the likelihood that they can, you know, sustain cancellations and and still be considered for a CFP? Say Oregon has one or two games canceled, they're conference champions, they're 6-0, and 5-0. How strong is that resume going into a CFP selection? Well, I think one thing that we got to keep in mind about the Pac-12 and their struggles and, and postponement of games is the other conferences are starting to fall into the same category we've seen a few sec games cancel we've seen a few big 12 games cancel or a a big 10 so i think if other conferences start to cancel or postpone games and there are less games being played 
that's good for the Pac-12 because obviously they're going to get five, six at the most with the conference championship if we move forward with no other cancellations. So the Pac-12 probably is hoping for other for that to happen. They're hoping for other cancellations mm-hmm. and no more cancellations on their part. I, I think we kind of touched on it earlier. They're going to have to play games when they can play the games in order to get the number of total games up right. and, and stay relevant. So they have to have the, I mean, it's, it's bad to say cause you don't want to see games canceled cause of COVID, but for them to be considered for CFP, I think that's what's got to happen. Right. Well, and another thing that could help the Pac-12 a lot, too, is if there's any decision to push back the playoffs, bowl games, you know, a couple weeks. And and we'll talk about that um, after we give you guys our rankings. So that's definitely something that could factor in, too. Um, Let's stay out west and go to an interesting story coming out of Utah State. Um, You know, we talked a lot about the Utes, so let's just kind of stay in the state of Utah. Uh, Utah State obviously off to a, a very poor start um, after, you know, a pretty good few seasons uh, under, you know, Jordan Love as the quarterback. And, you know, an 0-4 start, they dismissed their coach, and now reports coming out about Jason Shelley, their transfer quarterback from the University of Utah, being dismissed from the team almost in like an NFL fashion of like, you're not doing good enough, so leave. But then more details are coming out about how it might be like things that were said after this last game against Fresno State and, and just, you know, obviously some uh, ill tempers in the locker room. Uh, so, you know, not a lot of information is going to be released on this because it is a college program. But, uh, Chris, do you think it it speaks to like this weird shift that we're seeing in uh, college sports of like the NF, uh, the amateur athletes are being treated more like pros when you see a situation like Jason Shelley being just kind of dismissed from the team with, you know, a poor start and some of the stories that are coming out of, of uh, Logan. I think, uh, I think a lot of it's that, I mean, I was totally blown away when they released their head coach after three games. I mean, that just blew my mind because this is such a chaotic year. I, I couldn't imagine why they would say, okay, uh, you're on three, you're out. And and there had to be, in my mind, there had to be some undertow going on there before the dismissal ever occurred. Yeah. Um, the Jason Shelley thing, just, I don't know. You know, there's been a lot of talk about them starting to pay pro, uh, these semi-pro athletes, college players and that. And maybe this is the trend of the future. Maybe these guys are going to have to, if they're going to get paid, they're going to have to step up and start performing. Right. Or they're going to be gone. Well, I mean... You know, I'm sure a lot of it has to do with the struggles that are happening at Utah State right now, uh, just based on the reports you read. But it is definitely something to keep in mind when we talk about paying these athletes and and how will they be treated as college athletes if they are to be paid. So, I mean, that's definitely a conversation for probably another episode that we could go more in depth on. Um, So, you know, let's move to a new topic here. Uh, We've already talked a little bit about COVID problems with the Pac-12 but uh, two big programs, as far as the CFP talk goes here, having their game canceled. You know, we are recording this on November 17th, uh, Tuesday. So more cancellations could follow uh, as we get closer to the weekend here. But, you know, Miami versus Georgia Tech been canceled. 
and Texas A&M versus Old Miss has been canceled due to COVID reasons. Um, and Amos, this was something you brought up and wanted to touch on about how you know COVID's not only affecting the Pac-12 but other programs too. So give us some details and insight here into what's going on with Miami and Texas A&M. Well, basically, like we started out with, it's COVID. They're just they they get a couple confirmed cases. That guy quarantines, and then you turn around and start doing your contact tracing. So with contract tracing, obviously you're not able to practice, participate in team activities. And so if you can't field your full roster come game time, then you, you're not able to play. So I think it's not necessary. I mean, COVID's playing the part. The grand scheme of things, COVID is playing the part. But it seems to me that the, the big issue that's starting to hit the teams now is the contract tracing. The guy might not have it. He may be tested negative but he still has to quarantine for a certain amount of time. So to, from what I've seen through CBS Sports is that's kind of what they're saying is that Miami had a few outbreaks. They've done the contact tracing. But with the ACC starting so early in the year, they are able to move the schedule around and still accommodate. So they're just moving this game back into December and then a couple of the upcoming games are moving back a week, and then that should give Miami enough time to get all their COVID outbreak under control. Um, I assume with Texas, Texas Tech, I haven't done a lot of looking into that, or not Texas Tech, Texas A&M. I assume it's the same thing. Probably more the contact tracing than anything because they did have their game postponed last week. Um, the SEC is kind of in the same boat, so they can move games around still. So hopefully they get played, but uh, yeah, it's kind of it's interesting how this COVID's starting to make its way back through everywhere again. And you know, we the ACC, SEC probably thought they were starting strong, missed very few games. Now we're in the middle of the season, and here we are. I I, I do think that they've got to be starting to get concerned because this thing could spiral out of control very quickly. I mean, it, and and we're only talking, the thing of it is here, we're only talking maybe one or two cases in a program, but it's their inability to field the required number of athletes under right. scholarship, yep. you know, because of the contact tracing. Yep. That, so, and quick side note, that is what they're saying, CBS is saying about Texas A&M, is it is their contact tracing, and it is dropping them below the 53-player limit mandated by the SEC. So, how how much would uh, how much should the selection committee take into account that a team like Ohio State or Oregon for example had their games canceled and then did not, you know, they were not able to reschedule them, but a team like Texas A&M, you know, they had some games postponed and they could play them after the fact. Like, how much should the selection committee place the blame on the schools themselves? Or say, well, these schools, these teams, these players have still worked hard enough to put in a good year, and their conferences were actually the ones that you know disadvantaged the kids and not you know, did not give them enough time at the end of the season because we knew these things were going to happen. We knew there was going to be cancellations with COVID. Um, so, where is the line that the committee draws between looking at Ohio State's uh, schedule? and then saying, well, you had a few cancellations, it's going to knock you down a little bit. Do you think that's fair? So 
as we were prepping for the show, I there again I'm plugging CBS Sports a lot, but there was an article on here that says there will be no Cinderella teams in college football this year. And they kind of alluded to the fact that it's very hard for in college football to have a Cinderella team anyway because of the structure of the CFP. Um, but basically what this article is saying, and, and I really didn't think about this until I read through the article because, you know, we kind of talked about Cincinnati and BYU in a couple previous episodes being undefeated and having a chance for that four spot. Basically what this article is saying is the only reason they're playing the college football this year is not to crown a national championship, but to make up for the lost revenue they've already had and to keep it from being a major loss. So having said that, the CFP is going to put teams in that are going to make them money, bring in viewers or big names that everybody's accustomed with. So basically they're saying, you know, Alabama, Clemson, Ohio State, they're in no matter what. Even if they lose their conference championship game, they're bringing in a draw. They're in because of their program. The fourth spot will be up for grabs between only Power 5 teams who have put up a good season, and then the lesser teams, they're fighting for scraps if there are any New Year's Six games available, or they're just SOL. They'll take the best game they can get from the bowl season, and it is what it is. Now, so, I don't agree with that. I don't I don't okay. like that outlook because that totally makes college football look like it's strictly a business. It kind of black marks it, in my opinion. But when you cut through all the BS, I mean, that's a pretty relevant statement from this article. So what do you guys think about that? Well, I mean, I understand. But at the same time, if you are denying a team that is better than, for say, a Clemson, like on paper... I don't feel like people will be as excited to tune into those games where you have, let's say, Clemson in the four seed against Bama as a one seed. You know, if Clemson goes in and loses their conference championship game and Cincinnati finishes undefeated, wins their conference championship, and they had a good season, are people really going to be on board to watch Clemson play Alabama again in the CFP when Cincinnati, who would, you know, still go to a New Year's Six Bowl with that resume, is is not in that four seed. I almost feel like, and maybe you know, I'm alone in this thought, but I feel like it would be more entertaining to see a BYU, a Cincinnati, uh, Florida in over these more traditional teams. I feel like that would bring just as much viewership on TV because obviously you're not going to have fans there, but it'd bring just as much viewership because it's something new, it's something fresh, it's different. Well, People want to see some shuffling going on, maybe. And, you know, maybe not. Maybe people like watching Clemson and Alabama play each other five, uh, four well, out of the five years. Clemson and Alabama fans love it. Well, sure. Yeah. No, I <laughs> but agree. But in the year of COVID and the year 2020, why not have a Cinderella team? Right. Why Why not just that little glimmer of hope that they're still, you know. Right. I, I'm with you, Ty. I don't like the fact that this guy's just basically saying we're doing this because of money. I think that we are playing it to play the sport because right now, more than ever, we probably need the sport. We need the distraction. Um, so I think this is a good spot to, to take a break. We'll kind of deviate from our schedule here because we did go long uh, in that discussion. And when we come back, we're going to go through our full rankings, Heisman update, and then some games to watch in the upcoming week. So uh, we'll be right back. Break.
Welcome back to Electric Sports Talk, ladies and gentlemen. My name is Ty Crystal. Just a reminder, if you guys want to get in touch with us, uh, connect online with us, we're on uh, Instagram and Twitter. You can also email us at uh, electricsportstalk at gmail.com. Um, and I think you guys can also weigh in on, on some of the topics we just talked about here. Uh, what do you guys think is the solution for the Pac-12? And send us in your thoughts about Heisman Watch here and, and your rankings. Um, so we'll, we will get into the rankings now, um, and we'll we'll kind of start uh, we'll start at 15 and we'll go to one. And the way we have ranked these teams is we've taken all the G5 teams that are undefeated and the P5 teams that are undefeated or have one loss, and we've ranked them for a total of uh, one through 30. And we average them out to get our top 15 between the three of us. Um, and so that, so that's how kind of how we come up with the list. So that's our criteria. Um, so you guys ready to get into this ranking here? Yeah, let's do yeah, it. Yeah, sure. All right. Uh, so we'll start at uh, 15, 14, and 13. Um, and starting at number 15, we have Marshall, 14, Coastal Carolina, and 13, Oklahoma State. Um, so I'll start with Marshall here. Uh, Marshall's quietly putting together a very good season in the Conference USA. I mean, it's not a power conference by any means, Um you know, it's it's got some decent, good teams, but Marshall, uh, obviously a program that was once very storied, is kind of on the rebound the last couple of years. Uh, they got great quarterback play right now uh, with Grant Wells, and Brennan Knox is just, you know, a great running back, probably a guy that a lot of people aren't talking about enough uh, when it comes to uh, running backs you should be looking out for. You know, uh, 744 yards, nine touchdowns already in the season. Um, you know, they'll... They'll be having a game come up here against Charlotte. And I think Marshall's just quietly putting together a good season, um, and they kind of deserve this 15th spot here in our rankings. Chris, uh, you have Coastal Carolina? Yeah, um, they put together a really solid season, 7-0, and 5-0 and in their conference. Um, I think they're a team that might be, well, I don't know if I want to go that far out on a limb, but they might be your Cinderella team among your Cinderella teams. Uh, they're putting together a good, solid season. Barring any COVID problems, I think they have a chance to do pretty well. In looking at their upcoming games, they have Appalachian State, um, Troy, uh, Georgia State. I think that they have a good possibility of staying in the top 15 and actually being one of those teams considered at the end of the season. Uh, Amos, you have Oklahoma State for us, um, and then I think we can move on to our next three. Yeah, so Oklahoma State, kind of an interesting team. I kind of wasn't necessarily high on them at the beginning of the season. They've kind of held on, held their spot. Um, I feel like Oklahoma State is in the driver's seat, kind of controlling their own destiny, moving forward through the rest of their schedule in the Big 12. If they can finish with just the one loss, uh, be Big 12 conference champs, it gives them a realistic shot of being in that fourth spot for the CFP. Now, I'll say fourth spot because we don't know what the rest of the season is going to be like. You know, if they if they picked it today, that's realistically where they would be. Um, so, OSU had a bye last week. Uh, they come out this week, and they're playing Oklahoma, who I think is going to be a – a pretty good test. Ooh, it's Bedlam, man. <laughs> yeah. It'll be good. Mayhem in Bedlam. So it, it's going to be – it's real Oklahoma State and the Big 12 need 
<laughs> for the Big 12's chances of the CFP, Oklahoma State needs to win. Uh, but like I said, they're in the control of their own destiny. Um, I think the bye week coming a good time for them, going to kind of get regrouped. They were kind of on the ropes a little bit in the last couple games, um, but they're looking good. Hopefully they can continue to do well and carry the banner for the Big 12. Well, they're still very much in the conversation here for the CFP, so don't let the 13 uh, ranking that we have them at uh, fool you into thinking, you know, we don't consider them to be uh, in CFP talks at all. Uh, we'll move into our next three here, uh, 12, 11, and 10. We have Miami coming in at number 12, Oregon at number 11, and Wisconsin, who returned to play this week uh, at number 10. Uh, Amos, you also had Miami. So uh, we know you're a Miami fan a little bit, so give us the rundown here on Miami. And, yeah, uh, why Miami they kinda... fan. Have a, I've liked them for a while. I'm not been a bandwagon jumper. Uh, kind of high school days, you know, I won't date myself, as Chris has done in previous episodes. Um, so Miami, they're, re- they're not really going to be in the mix for CFP. Um, they they kind of, the loss they had earlier in the year doesn't to Clemson doesn't help them. Um, they've been trying to lose the last couple games that they've played. They pulled it out in the end. And then, so they've kind of been on the ropes. So in in a sense, maybe the COVID postponement this week will help them kind of get some things straightened out get back on uh, straightening the ship um you know kind of looking forward on their schedule they they're gonna be able to squeeze in all the games it looks like they've kind of worked their schedule around a little bit they moved georgia tech back to the end of the season kind of moved some games back a little bit so that they could get that little bit of extra time to get over covid so you know, they're going to finish out with Wake, UNC, Georgia Tech. You know, I, I feel like UNC is going to, if they're not, if they don't go into that game with the right mindset, that's an upset waiting to happen. So, um, you know, we'll see. Well, I'm going to be very interested to see how Miami does coming out of the COVID bye week, so to speak. All right. Uh, that was Miami at 12, and now Oregon at 11. Uh, I have Oregon. Right now, Oregon, in my opinion, is, and I think collectively, too, at this table, they are the favorites for the Pac-12. They've been really the only team that has been dominant in their first two games against Stanford and Washington State. Obviously, they did struggle early uh, against Washington State, but then they really made up a lot of ground as the game progressed. I really feel like the coaching at Oregon is so consistent that it's what sets that program apart from everyone else in the Pac-12. They just have you know, good recruiting. Their coaches really set a foundation, and then they build on it from there. And if you have a good foundation, um, especially with a in a conference like the Pac-12, that is what will propel you uh, to, to good seasons and consistent seasons too. And I think that's what you're seeing from Oregon. I think they do have a strong chance to win out here. Uh, they have UCLA, Oregon State, Cal, and Washington remaining on their schedule. So I feel like the next three games against UCLA, Oregon State, and Cal are pretty much guaranteed wins, assuming no COVID problems arise. Um, and then obviously, you know, a tough game against Washington most likely, but it will be at home. So Oregon right now, the favorites and kind of the, the banner carrier for the Pac-12 as well. Uh, Chris, you had Wisconsin. We know uh, you're very big on Wisconsin. You have been since the beginning of, of their season. 
Obviously, COVID has slowed them down a little bit. They've, but, had, uh, they've had two teams or two games canceled, right? Against Nebraska and uh, Purdue. I don't know if those are going to be made up. Um, I was totally blown away at the way they jumped on Michigan in that game yeah, last that was nuts. last Saturday. <laughs> I mean, they just it was like we're here and we're going to prove a point and we're going to you know haymakers right from the start. Yeah, didn't oh, let yeah. Up. yeah. It, it was just unbelievable. And they've got Northwestern this week. Um, I think that'll be an interesting game because Northwestern's been playing very well, uh, and they've been able to get most of their games in this year. I don't think they've had any issues with COVID. So I think Wisconsin's an up-and-comer. Uh, to be honest with you, I, I, if they play Northwestern really well, I'm going to move them up in the rankings because I think, I think they're the team in that conference. So you were really big on Wisconsin actually being able to win the uh, Big Ten championship coming into this season when we talked a couple weeks ago. Are you still pretty keen on Wisconsin being able to beat Ohio State here? Yes, I am. I, I think that they can beat them. All right. Okay. I think they can. Well, uh, that'll definitely be a fun game upcoming. Uh, and I think this Northwestern they game... They play will... them like they did Michigan. Ohio State's in trouble. <laughs> yeah, well, oh, man, that was rough. Okay, we'll move into 987, and I think this is kind of where we get into a little more meat of the rankings. Um, so at 987, we have Indiana at 9, Cincinnati at 8, and BYU at 7. Uh, Amos, you seem to be leading us off here again. So take us away with Indiana and kind of the surprise team, I think, in these rankings uh, before the season started. I don't think anyone really would have had them in the top ten. No, no. I mean, Indiana is not considered a uh, football powerhouse by any means. Kind of basketball is more the norm. Uh, if I memory serves me correct from – Last week, and the talk about Indiana, it's the first time since the 60s that they've been ranked in the top 10, so kudos to them. Uh, they got a big test coming up this week with Ohio State, so I think that's going to kind of let us know whether they're for real or whether they've just kind of coasted on the schedule that they've had thus far. Um, so Ohio State had a bye last week. They had some COVID issues. Um, oh, Indiana was able to play put together a pretty nice game against um, Michigan State, pitched a shutout. I mean, I don't care what level of sports you play in football. If you can pitch a shutout, that's that's kudos. Mm -hmm. That's good, especially in the Big Ten. So, I mean, if you can't – if the opposing team, Michigan State, cannot get at least a field goal, I mean, come on. You're in the Big Ten. You got your D1 school. You can't get a field goal? Yeah. So – um, this week will be a good test. And then, you know, if they can somehow get past Ohio State, then they do run into, it looks like a cross, well, Wisconsin. Is that a cross-conference game? I believe it is. So there'll be another. They got a few tests down the road, Maryland, Wisconsin, Purdue. So they're not out of the thick of it if they beat Ohio State, but it'll kind of be a measuring stick to see if Indiana – where they're going to finish out the rest of the season. Uh, just real quick, percentage chance out of 100, Indiana can knock off Ohio State? Oh, I will – I don't know. I think Ohio State, they get a lot of love just because they're Ohio State. Me personally, I think this week having off is going to hurt Ohio State. I feel like they're kind of a team that needs to stay in that mode. Um they want to play games. They need to keep people 
involved. Keeps it's going to keep you out of trouble. So I don't know that it really hurts them a lot. I'll say I I'm going to go 75. Ohio State wins 25. Indiana wins. Mm-hmm. That's fair. I think. Okay, uh, that was number nine. Indiana. We're now on to number eight. Cincinnati. And Chris, uh, you seem to be favoring Cincinnati here as the G5 team that can get in the CFP. Well, I, they're an undefeated team, 7-0, 5-0 in the conference. Um, they have a pretty good schedule going forward. Um, I'd look to see them continue their role in their conference. And I, I think here again is that this is one of those teams that could, you know, could surprise us at the end of the season. Do you think the game against Tulsa uh, to finish out Cincinnati's season, do you think that's going to be any obstacle to finishing the regular season undefeated for Cincinnati? Um, I think as long as they can uh, stay, you know, within themselves on the co- on their COVID protocol, I-, I think they could beat Tulsa, and I think that they could be considered for that. Um, and then another, the last thing I want to ask you here about Cincinnati – their last three games to finish out the season will all be on the road. Does that present any kind of challenge to them, or do you think Cincinnati's just a good enough team that they're just going to motor through everyone regardless of where they play them? The only challenge I can see that they're, they're going to have by playing on the road is keeping their athletes healthy, being able to avoid the COVID problems, being able to put enough players on the field. But, but if they can keep their players healthy – uh, I believe they can roll over their next three games fairly fairly readily. Love that answer. All right, uh, coming in at number seven, we have BYU. Uh, I've got BYU here. So uh, BYU has built, you know, obviously an impressive season on the back of Zach Wilson's Heisman uh, hopeful season as well. The, the big knock, I think, on the Cougars nationally is that their strength of schedule is not going to match up very well against Cincinnati. Um, and we do have them above Cincinnati in our rankings, but I kind of feel like, personally, I feel like that is because uh, I feel like Cincinnati might lose one of these next three games, and I don't think BYU will lose a game from here on out. So I might just be like projecting more future type of results here. Um, but BYU, there's talks that they're going to schedule another game in between this Northern Alabama-San Diego State uh these two games here, and lots of talk is surrounding the Marshall, uh, surrounding Marshall here, who we have 15th on our rankings, is nationally ranked 15th, um, and I think that would really actually benefit the Cougars in giving them a little boost in their their strength of schedule, the quality opponents that they that they are gonna uh, need on their schedule to go in number four maybe, um, but then they're also saying it's most likely gonna be at Marshall which I think will be a, a, another benefit to BYU if they can walk into Marshall and, and beat a really strong team uh, like we already talked about before. So in order for BYU to make it to the CFP, I think they just need to... Well, I was actually reading an article from ESPN today about this, and pretty much I, I agree with what the article said. They need to hope that Notre Dame keeps winning, Alabama keeps winning, Ohio State keeps winning, and then you know they just need to schedule another game and maintain their role here have Zach Wilson continue to play great and that'll garner attention from the committee which might give them a shot so you know obviously Cincinnati I think might be the biggest roadblock if they stay undefeated to BYU actually getting in Um, but I feel like that's where BYU is at right now Uh, 
any any thoughts about BYU well, or Cincinnati here, you two? I think it comes down to Cincinnati's in a conference, BYU is an independent. But like you made the point, as long as Notre Dame keeps winning, uh, as long as the top five schools keep winning, then I, th- I do think that BYU's got a chance, a way in, a pathway. Amos, uh, more likely in your mind right now, BYU or Cincinnati for the four seed. So I, I did not know that Cincinnati had their last three games on the road, and I think Chris brings up a great point of their biggest struggle is going to be staying healthy. So we're kind of having a surge you know, across the country, Midwest. So yeah. that's going to be a struggle for them. I think BYU, we kind of follow them. It's more of a local team for us. So we, we have a little more insight into how they're handling protocol and such. And, you know, it seems like BYU's got a program figured out for their COVID. They've seemed to travel real well. So I'm not really concerned too much about their health or the COVID issue. The thing that I get nervous about with BYU is everybody wants them to play more games. We need to plug in Marshall. The Big 12's having, or the Pac 12's having trouble. Can we get a rivalry game again with Utah? Can we, you know, does the Pac 12 have any interest in playing BYU? All things are great. I think it helps BYU, it bolsters them if they can win the games. And mm-hmm. if is the key word. I think you schedule Marshall. We're hearing that Army has no interest in rescheduling their game. So I feel like Marshall takes Army's place. I feel like Marshall's a better opponent at this point in time in the season for BYU to get some street cred going into the CFP. I've said it before. I'm going to say it again. We won't start a rabbit hole discussion, but BYU, don't get greedy. Finish your season strong. Take Marshall. Keep your fingers crossed that you're able to get a New Year's Six Bowl and or possibly a CFP performance. Get the recruiting. Take the money. Call it. You got Zach Wilson in the Heisman watch. You got some guys that are getting some love from the NBA on both the or from the NFL, both on the offense and defense. You know, don't don't get greedy. Take what's coming. Enjoy the season. So real I, quick, I, hold on, hold on. Oh, okay. Uh, just real quick again, because you kind of didn't answer. Uh, more likely BYU or Cincinnati gets in as I, a four seed. Well, I think right now, if, if as the season's progressing, I'm th- I'm seeing BYU. I think if BYU schedules Marshall, beats Marshall in Marshall, then that that definitely bolsters them. Like I said, like Chris said, the health for Cincinnati on the road is going to be key. So. Yeah, right now I give the edge to BYU, but we'll just see going forward. All right, uh, Chris, you had had some input. I I don't want to go down a big rabbit hole here, but you mentioned BYU getting a game with Utah. Are you talking this year or are you talking going forward? No, I'm talking this year. Well, Well, I I, I think that's completely off the table. (laughs) I think Utah is going to be lucky if they get a season in at this point in time. Well, but that's my point. That's why I say say play – they're in – it's an in-state game. They know – I mean, why not – for Utah's sake, play BYU. It's not gonna. It's not like playing BYU hurts yeah, Utah well. in any stretch of the imagination. They've already lost out two games. They play BYU. If they beat BYU, that's that's a big plus for them. And we discussed earlier in the program that the Big Twelve needs to play games when they can, whenever they can, whoever they can, even if it is outside the conference. That's the only way they stay relevant in the CFP, in my opinion. So bottom line, bottom line with that right there, BYU playing Utah in that rivalry game, 
Pac-12 is not going to let it happen. Yeah, well, yeah. Under well, any circumstances. Well, why the, would they? It makes too much sense, right? There's no upside for BYU. <laughs> there is no upside for BYU to play Utah. Because well, the, only, the only way that game makes other, any sense... Well... The only way that game makes any sense is if they can put fans in the stadium. The only benefit... That's, that's the biggest advantage... Or that's the biggest thing about that game is the fans in the stadium. Sure, because it's only, a rivalry game, but it... I think it's a no-lose situation for either team, really. BYU needs the street cred. Utah needs the games. They're both decent enough that they can help each other out, whether the you know whoever wins or loses. Well, we so, don't know how decent Utah is because they, they haven't sure, played a game but they're yet. A Pac-12, yeah, I mean, that's a great point. <laughs> but like we've said, the Pac-12, Utah, they need the help. BYU brings that. If they're able, and I'm not saying just Utah, play other Pac-12 teams. That's fine. Pac-12 yeah. shouldn't be scared to let well, their teams play Ty, BYU. The, no, Ty, uh, what did BYU? The bottom line in this whole conversation is the Pac-12 is not going to let it happen. Right. Well, they're already did, having games BYU canceled. Had, Nothing's going to happen. Two or three Pac-12 teams on their original schedule. Sure. Yeah, they had uh, Utah, Arizona State, and Stanford. I think uh, you know because we've all heard about how oh, I thought they had Soul USC season. on there. Uh, USC, no, that was last season. Oh, okay. Um, but yeah, when it just comes down to that, BYU playing a Pac-12 team, it's not going to happen. No, Pac-12 is it, Pac-12 has already had the issues with COVID. They're not going to let a team outside of their conference come in. It's performing admirably and and very well with their COVID protocols. Regardless, they're not going to let them come in and play that game, even if it's an in-state game. Well, and I mean, I'm contradicting myself by saying. BYU and Utah should play when I said earlier that BYU shouldn't take any more games well, going but, forward. But, but I understand. But if you're going to take games, take quality games. That's yeah. going to help yeah. you. Okay. I understand what I, you're yeah, saying. Yeah, I agree with what Amos is saying. Yeah. Okay. Uh, so, you know, that's a lot on BYU. Uh, but let's move on to six through four, um, or four through six, however you want to say it. Uh, we got at number six, Florida, five, Texas A&M. And four Clemson, um, so I think the top six is pretty set, right? Like, it's very definitive at this point. The only thing I would argue on on my rankings is I have Ohio State above Notre Dame. That's just personal choice. <laughs> um, but so I have Florida. I'll talk about Florida a little bit. I think Kyle Trask has got to be one of the top guys to be considered in the Heisman right now. Um, and Florida is a super, like, they are super dark horse to me to walk into this SEC championship. I, I mean, assuming they uh, win their remaining games, which I think they will. I don't think they'll have a problem with Vanderbilt, Kentucky, Tennessee, LSU maybe, but probably not as much that game's at home. Uh, but assuming they run through their schedule here, win these next four, walk into this um, SEC championship game against Alabama, I really think they got a strong, strong chance at taking out Alabama because Alabama's weakest part of their team is their defense. It just hasn't quite been fully put together this season in the games that we've been able to watch them play. I I feel like Kyle Trask would just pick that team apart. It would be a pretty high-scoring game. Um, And honestly, where it stands right now, I might even favor Florida to win that game if you had to ask me. but Really? Honestly, yes, because the play of Kyle Trask, I mean, the kid's got 30 total touchdowns. He's leading the country. He, uh, I saw when they were playing Arkansas that Trask is, uh, he broke a record 
of Tua Tonga-Vailoa and Joe Burrow of having uh, like 24, 25 touchdowns um, at, you know, six games into the season, whatever, right? Well, he didn't only beat that record, he destroyed it. And he's been playing only SEC teams to get that record. You know, he wasn't playing the Citadel like maybe uh, (laughs) – that was rude. Um, But, you know, they're not playing lesser quality teams like Alabama probably was when Tua Tunga-Vailoa set that record. So I almost feel like Kyle Trask is kind of the guy that is in the corner just like sitting there twiddling his thumbs and – and just got the kind of evil laugh of, I'm going to show up and, and mess up this whole party for Alabama, for the Heisman, for everything. I love where Florida's program's at. I think Florida, we say this a lot about, you know, Texas, uh, USC, I'm just programs out there. But Florida is back, man. Like, yeah, I agree. Florida is here. They're right. back. Their recruiting's great. Their coaching's great. I love Florida. Um, and maybe it's a little recency bias because they just look so good against Georgia and Arkansas. But I love Florida. Yeah, I you hit you hit the nail on the head on that one. Florida's looking good. I agree. Chris, you have Texas A and M at number five. Um, what what do you got about Texas A and M here? That Texas Texas A and M is five and one. Um, the only loss they've got is to Alabama. Um, they've played very very high scoring games so far, with the possible exception of Mississippi State. They had a bye last week. Um, but their game's been postponed this week. So then it becomes a discussion of, okay, can they maintain where we've ranked them yeah. with, without playing this week, and can that game be rescheduled? Now, they've got time for that game to be rescheduled. And this comes down to another one of those deals where, you know, we got one or two cases on the team, contact tracing, we can't put enough athletes on the field. So I don't think they've got a real big COVID problem per se. Um, but I, I'm kind of high on Texas A&M. Now, the only time I've watched them play this year is when they played Alabama. And I was really disappointed with the, the outcome of that game because I was kind of hoping that they could knock them off. But they weren't even close. So uh, since Texas A&M did lose to Alabama, they won't be in the conference championship game you know, barring disaster on Alabama's part. So does that really hamper their CFP talk here, like to be included? I think as long as they run the table on the games that they're able to play, I think that they can still be considered a CFP team. Uh, if you're Texas A&M, are you uh, equally happy, though, with a Peach Bowl appearance, for say, or a Cotton Bowl appearance? I, I think this year any bowl, any bowl game is going to be a, a win. Really, I do. All right, yeah. Okay. Well, um, last thing I'll ask you about Texas A&M. Well, maybe not necessarily a win, but getting into the bowl, I think, is going to be considered a win in this messed up year we've got. So last thing I'll ask you about Texas A&M, then. Is it more likely they uh, have a shot at this four seed or make a New Year's Six? I think that's a long shot. I really do. For the CFP? Yeah. Yeah. Just by virtue of that one loss. Again, if they run the table, they've got that one loss. I still think it's a long shot. All right, uh, Amos, you have Clemson, maybe the easiest team of these, uh, you know, top fifteen to talk about because they're so exceptional, even with the one loss. Well, I don't know if they're the easiest. I mean, no. okay. Clemson. I don't. Know, Clemson's kind of been 
it's been they've had a weird year in my opinion. They're not running through and just kicking trash in the ACC like they have in years past. Obviously, Notre Dame throws a wrinkle with them being in the ACC this year, and they have lost to ACC or to Notre Dame. Um, Clemson's in a pretty good position this week. They're coming back off a bye. They do get Trevor Lawrence back. Um, I feel like of any of a team that needed a bye, Clemson needed it. Obviously, to get healthy to kind of regroup after that um, kind of heartbreaking loss to Notre Dame. So. They they have a, a kind of an up and down Florida State team, so um, they're in Florida. They, I don't know. I I don't really foresee that being too much of an issue for Clemson. I think Trevor Lawrence is going to bounce back well. Should be well rested. I don't think he's going to have a lot of rust. I mean, he's by far you know or arguably one of the best quarterbacks and players in college football today. So I think he just picks up where he left off. Um, Florida State Pitt. Virginia Tech, the remaining games, I don't really see an issue. They should they should finish out them games. Uh, they'll get a rematch with Notre Dame in the ACC championship. So, but I think the key for Clemson: stay healthy. You know, keep your positive COVID tests down. Keep Lawrence healthy. Take it one game at a time. Don't start looking forward to Notre Dame and your ACC championship game because you lose one more time. You're probably out because you got Miami who is lurking at the doorstep right behind Clemson. So if you if if you lose, you might not even make it back to that. So, you know, play the game that is in front of you, stay healthy and keep moving and you know, just take care of business and then see what happens for the CFP rankings. So I think that Clemson will roll Florida State and Pitt, um, but then they finish out the season at Virginia Tech. And honestly, you know, like I know Virginia Tech has not had a good season as far as their record, but when I've watched Virginia Tech play, I like what I see from Virginia Tech. Are you at all concerned about Clemson stumbling right before that conference championship game, maybe overlooking a Virginia Tech team that people perceive as weak? But oh, yeah, I don't think sure. they are. Yeah, I, I really do. That's why I said, you know, talking, they've got to play each week. They have to yeah, focus okay. on. Yeah, Florida State. Sure, they, they're an up-and-down team. But like Dabo Sweeney said in an interview on CBS Sports, you don't know what team you're going to get. So we got to prepare the the best way we can. We're getting Trevor Lawrence back. That helps. Yeah, I mean, Clemson State has – or Clemson State. Clemson has a lot to prove through the remainder of the year. They, they've started out shaky. They lost to Notre Dame. Their star quarterback come down with COVID. How does he get COVID? He should be the most protected person on your team. Like yeah. Dabo Sweeney should be having him at his house, mm. watching him, <laughs> everything he does. Wash your hands. What did you do that? You know, I mean, how does he get it? Right. So very unfortunate. Yeah. So I, but I think, you know, Clemson has the experience. They have the luxury of the experience. I think Dabo Sweeney will keep them focused. But, yeah, I think there's a real – it is – I mean, any of the remaining three are stumbling block because Clemson wants to get to the ACC game. They want to avenge their loss to Notre Dame. So – but that's that's the pitfall. So you gotta you got to stay focused, keep your team healthy, play each game that's in front of you. And go from there. All right. And we'll talk more about the Notre Dame Clemson probable rematch here 
uh, when we talk about Notre Dame. Um, all right, so now we're into the top three. I feel like a lot of people have a lot of consensus here. Like I said, I, I do personally put Ohio State above Notre Dame, but these kind of seem to be the three favorites, uh, most likely, to finish the season undefeated and be the three locks. At least that's how we have kind of been perceiving them uh, here throughout this show, and that's how a lot of the national media would perceive it. Uh, so three, Ohio State, Notre Dame at two, and number one is Bama. No surprise. Well, know that Bama's a great team, uh, good program. So I have Ohio State. I'll start off here. Um, I'm very disappointed that they had this game against Maryland uh, postponed, well, canceled effectively because of the COVID issues. Um, and, not you know, like we've said and, and will continue to say, safety is important. But this game, in the context of, like, just the CFP conversation, I think it would have been uh, probably Ohio State's best test to this point. I think Maryland is a pretty up-and-coming, decent program. They have, uh, you know, decent players. Um, and to the three teams, Nebraska, Penn State, and records that Ohio State's already played, Maryland would be the best opponent. So this game against Maryland would be great to have before Indiana this week that they'll, you know, that they will play this week. Um, because it's kind of like a almost a warm-up game against a pretty quality competition, but not like on an Indiana level maybe. So I think it's very unfortunate for Ohio State. Um, I hope that they don't have any more cancellations moving forward because uh, it could kind of hurt, you know, whether they come in at two or three. Uh, but I do think they will run uh, through these teams here. I, I just don't see a stumbling block. Indiana maybe, but... I don't think Indiana's ready for Ohio State. Uh, I love Justin Fields' play. He's got to be one of the most successful quarterbacks uh, entering the draft this season, assuming he goes. So I love where Ohio State's at. Um, but with all that said, they're three in our rankings, but two in mine. <laughs> so, tight, real quick, you touched on the 2-3. I mean, in the CFP format, two plays three, right? Right. So is there really any advantage or disadvantage being ranked two or three. No, but you have the number by your name that says you're two, or you have the number by your name that says you're three. Just that psychological and, advantage. Yeah, exactly. I feel like, well, I don't know if it would affect a ton of players, but if I'm a coach, the, this is this is where I think it would affect. If I'm a coach and I'm coming to this game with two or three, I feel like my players will be approaching it differently. So I want the two name. I want the two next to my name because my players are seeing. We're the second best team, not the third best team, according to this, you know, committee that we're all supposed to trust to get it right. <laughs> so I just feel like, like from a <laughs> from a coaching aspect, you want to be the higher seed, just for morale, the mentality, you know, stuff like that. But no, sure. I mean, okay. you make a good point. There's like no it. difference, but uh, you know, I just like Ohio State better. That's all nice. it comes down to. Uh, Chris, you have Notre Dame, who is at number two. You've been very big on Notre Dame. You kind of called uh, called it for them to knock off Clemson. Um, so give us the the lowdown on how Notre Dame has fared after this Clemson, the big Clemson win. Well, I've been high on Notre Dame the whole year. Um, I have their quarterback as my number two pick for the Heisman Trophy. Ooh, big shout. All right, save and, that. We'll and, get back to it. I, I was worried about Boston College only because they were coming off the big Clemson game. Mm -hmm. um, 
And to be honest with you, I watched that entire game, and I thought Notre Dame kind of struggled in the first half. Um, even at that, though, they were able to put 45 points up on the board. Um, the score does not, to me, indicate – it was 45-31. It doesn't indicate to me that that game was actually that close. Okay, so you, you felt Notre Dame was actually pretty dominant, huh? Yeah, I actually felt like Notre Dame uh, was very stout in that game. They're getting a bye week this week and coming back at University of North Carolina the following week, the Friday after Thanksgiving. Um, I think they need this bye week, personally. I, I, don't, I won't say they were beat up, but I think those two games, Clemson and Boston College, really challenged them physically and a little bit mentally. Yeah, I'd, I'd agree. And um, I've been very impressed with the way Notre Dame's been able to run its program with its COVID protocol and keep everybody healthy. They haven't had any issues that I'm aware of. And so I'm I'm still high on Notre Dame at number two. Um, so the last thing I think I, I want to ask you about Notre Dame is if, if the playoffs started now, let's say, if we took these four teams, well, probably not Clemson because Notre Dame. Anyways, take the four teams right now. Would Notre Dame beat Ohio State? And then would Notre Dame be the favorites going into the uh, – national title game in your mind yes to both you like notre dame right like now notre to win dame. it all wow throwing it out there no, well, I mean, prediction here, here's the thing I, at the end of the day i think notre dame's actually seen a better uh, uh, they've had more of a test schedule than alabama's had hmm, wow in, in my in my opinion and i mean <laughs> let's face it being clemson that was a big deal yeah and and they beat them pretty soundly i mean here again it was back and forth and back and forth and two overtimes and the whole bit. But Clemson screwed it up there at that second overtime. I mean, they just flat tanked it there at that, in that second overtime to allow Notre Dame to win that game. Mm-hmm. So I think when it comes to poise on the field, staying within yourselves and playing you know, controlled football, to me, Notre Dame showed themselves to be a much more mature team than, say, a Clemson. All right, Chris still very high on Notre Dame. I mean, I think it's I think it's warranted. Sure, Clemson uh, Notre Dame has shown just strength in a lot of departments: run game, defense, specifically in the secondary. I like uh, Notre Dame a lot. Um, but you know, there is the over the overarching uh, shadow of Alabama. They're ranked number one nationally. Coaches poll and our poll. They're you know the big bad SEC school. We know the reputation the SEC carries. So. Uh, Amos, this is where we'll turn it over to you with Alabama. All right. So Alabama, they they had a bye week, quote, unquote. I mean, <laughs> I'm just going to call the cancel games from COVID buys just easier. Um, <clears throat> so I don't know if taking a week off helps Alabama. I, I think Nick Saban's the type of coach that just wants to play. Mm. He wants these kids engaged. He gets – he wants to prepare and and keep them looking to the next week, to the next week. He wants them games. So I'm a little interested to see if they come out rusty at all. I don't – I now, rust meaning are they going to lose? No, I don't think so. I mean, they're, they're playing Kentucky rivalry game, Iron Bowl against Auburn. That's going to be tough rivalry game. And then they finish up the season with Arkansas. Well, and um, and they will have the game against LSU. I assume they'll schedule it for the twelfth. Sure, and I yeah, they'll be. 
we've talked SEC. I I would have to look into that. I mean, I think the conferences that started early built that into their season so they can play them. So, um, I mean, yeah, we'll we'll go with now the schedule they have until LSU is put back on the schedule. A um, couple interesting things about Alabama. I feel like they were lucky they got Texas A&M early in the season. Now, the score is 52-24. I don't know that if they play Texas the last game of the year or even this week that it's the same score. I think Texas A&M gives them a little bit more of a run for their money. Maybe, maybe they get a win. Alabama's looked pretty solid all season long. Um, I mean, yeah, the, the Ole Miss game was high-scoring affair. Well, that was but, funny because you just said how they blew out Texas A&M, and Texas A&M you know, still ranked very high and thought of very well. But then they went into Old Miss, and it was like they didn't know what they were doing. Yeah. And I remember <laughs> yeah. we were listening to the game on the radio, and the announcers for Old Miss were like, oh, my gosh, I think we're, we're going to beat it. Alabama. This yes, is our yes. year. <laughs> <laughs> it was great. Well, in Alabama, they're just kind of that team over the last you know 10 years or so that, that they're – Luck is on their side, but sometimes, you know, y- if you prepare correctly, then you're going to get the good luck. You're going to get the ball to roll your way. So um, I think I don't really see a reason why Alabama doesn't finish out the season uh, undefeated. They're they're kind of controlling their own destiny. Um, kind of looking forward to some of what you brought up with Florida and that Florida, Alabama, possibly be an SEC championship matchup. Um, I just looking at team statistics here. Alabama's 49th overall for team defense, and they're they're ranked 94th in the nation for passing. So Ooh. I think Nick Saban needs to start. He can look. He has the advantage or the 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 ability, the opportunity to look forward. I think he needs to look at that stat. He needs to look at the other side of the division and be like, uh, we need to figure this out and we need to work on this over the next three for sure scheduled games, possibly four with LSU and write that ship before they do run into Florida because, yeah, Florida's on a roll right now and they're going to steamroll Alabama if they don't get it together. <laughs> okay, so this is this is the big question that I have about Alabama right now. Do you, I mean, and maybe that's an easy answer. I don't know. Uh, Alabama's obviously got uh, quite a few games left to play, so you know, still a lot can happen. But it looks like they'll win out in the regular season. They correct? should. Okay. Yeah, I'd agree. So they went out. They'll most likely play Florida State, or excuse me, they'll most likely play Florida in the conference championship game, right? I agree. Okay. Now we'll just hypothetically say that they beat Florida. They go in number one in the CFP. And more hypothetical, we'll just say Oklahoma State or Oregon will get the four seed. Okay. So that's who Bama plays. That sound okay? Yeah. I'm, and I'm then on, and then let's track. say you know regardless Notre Dame or Ohio State is who they would play in the championship game. Does this road ahead for Alabama actually look very tough? Like compared to Notre Dame or Ohio State, do you think Bama actually has the toughest road to hoe moving forward? Well. Oh, that's a great question because I'm not convinced that that Notre Dame comes out steamrolls Clemson in the S, in the ACC championship if they get to that point. I'm not convinced that Ohio. 
I mean, Ohio State should win the Big Ten. I, I see no reason why they, why they falter. So I think the key in your scenario is, is Notre Dame. But I don't feel like – I feel like Alabama, yeah, they, they've got to – they have to play each week. Florida is going to be a huge test for them. I think if the, I think <laughs> if they beat Florida in the SEC championship, they go on into the semifinal, CFP semifinal with all kinds of momentum. And and I think they just they steamroll into the in, the national championship. I think Notre Dame would feel the same way if they steamroll Clemson in the ACC, Ohio State in the semifinal. I, that. Alabama Notre Dame, that'd be a great yeah, game. At this fun. point in the season right now, that would be a great national championship game. Is it a tough road? Yes, because everybody's gunning for Alabama. Everybody wants to take out number one. Right. They want to de- I mean, Alabama has arguably been the best team over the last ten or fifteen years. They're constant they've missed what, one CFP since its inception? Yeah. They've yeah. they've been in the talk national well, in, championship yeah. the whole time. So I mean, I think it. I think it's. I think Notre Dame, Alabama have the most difficult of the four teams, top four teams, to to get in. But that I think could, that both teams are up for the the challenge. That could be a benefit though to them too. You know, ride that wave of momentum like you yeah. were talking about. Um, so Chris said he likes Notre Dame. If we went into it right now. Are you saying you like Alabama if we go into it right now? No, I I think I like just Alabama in general over the top four to to win it all. Going into um, CFP, if the playoff started now with these four teams we have, does Alabama win it all? No, I don't think they win it all. I think Alabama has got to they got to tighten up a little bit on on defense. Yeah, they cannot if crazy. they go into Florida. And play like they did against Ole Miss, they're going to get rolled. Florida's right. going to run them over. So I think, I think uh, Alabama needs to tighten up a few things on defense. My my thought is how well they perform in the SEC championship. If it comes to Florida, Alabama will be what catapults them going forward. All right. Well, there's your rankings. We'll just recap. 15 to 1, Marshall 15, Coastal Carolina 14, Oklahoma State 13, Miami, the real U uh, 12, <laughs> Oregon 11, Wisconsin 10, Indiana 9, Cincinnati at 8, BYU at number 7, Florida at number 6, Texas A&M at number 5, Clemson at number 4, Ohio State at 3, Notre Dame at 2, and Alabama at number one. Any final thoughts on our rankings here, guys, or do you feel like we covered it real well? I think it's pretty solid. I think it's pretty solid, too. Good. All right, so this is You ought be... to see our bottom 15. <laughs> oh, man. I know, like, 11 through 20, it's, like, so mixed up. It's like it's like someone is making a cake, and right after you mix all the ingredients, yeah, it's Just a mess. close your eyes and point. Yep, looks good. All right, uh, so this is going to be a long show, so I think we'll take another break right here, and then we'll come back uh, Heisman and Games to Watch this week. Break. Uh. 
All right, hope you guys are enjoying this long episode. Um, obviously, lots of stuff to, t- uh, to cover here, and we still want to talk some Heisman and give you some games to watch going into this next week. Um, all right, Chris, uh, we're going to start with you on the Heisman. Uh, and what we've done is we have compiled a list here, and I will say they're all quarterbacks, um, and then we've been tasked with ranking them one through five, five through one, however you want to do it. Uh, but, Chris, you do have an honorable mention for us. So well, you I, go ahead and start. I, I have obviously five, but I also have a, a guy that needs to be looked at, I think. And it's because, again, it's because I'm high on Wisconsin. Um, I actually like, like Graham Mertz at Wisconsin. He's put up some very substantial numbers, has no interceptions this year. Um, I think he's worth an honorable mention for the Heisman. Um, my five, starting with five, are Kyle Trask at Florida. Uh, I'm fumbling with papers here. Hang on. Um, Mac Jones at, at Alabama. Um, I like uh, Zach, Welts, Zach Wilson at BYU. My number two pick is Ian, Ian, Ian Book. Ian at, Book. Ian Book at Notre Dame. And number one is Trevor Lawrence at Clemson. All right. Good list. I like it. Um, okay. I also have an honorable mention, um, and that is Ian Book. I, I just love what he's doing right now. Um, and I think, well, we'll talk about it more. Uh, at number five, I have Mac Jones. Number four, Trevor Lawrence. Maybe a little unfair, but he slipped down my list. Justin Fields at number three. Zach Wilson, number two, and Kyle Trask at number one. I love him. He's a Oh, man, he's just so great. If you watch him play, I know Amos is giving me a weird look, but if you've watched Kyle Trask play, you could put that kid in the NFL right now, and I think he'd be an amazing player. Well, I'm just giving you a weird look because I I don't – you guys might not necessarily agree with my honorable mentions. All right, well, I want to hear it. Let's see what you got to say. Okay, so my honorable mention is Zach Wilson. Um, That one hurt. Well (laughs) – (laughs) <laughs> if we're going to discuss it, I'll go with my reasonings once we get to that point. Okay. Honorable mention, Zach Wilson. Number five, Ian Book from Notre Dame, from having a great season, you know, leading the charge there for the Fighting Irish. Number four, Trevor Lawrence. Number three, Mac Jones. Number two, Kyle Trask. And number one, I have Justin Fields. All right, so we have a consensus of six. Do we all feel like this is very, like, these are the six to be considered, really? So I will say right now, yes. Um, Najee Harris, Alabama running back, might throw a little bit of kink into that. Mm-hmm. But um, maybe Chubba Hubbard depends on how he goes through with Oklahoma State. Right. But, yeah, I mean, I, I would say we got a pretty solid top six. Um, Chris, any of these guys we left off the list that you uh, also like? Another guy that I, I, I look at and I think, well, he's a possibility, is the Miami quarterback. And for the life of me, Dierk King? De'Aaron. De, yeah. De'Aaron anyway. King, yeah. Yeah, De'Aaron King. And, and I say that, I, I watched him play, but I also say it in deference to uh, Amos's um, fanship of, the, of Miami, the real you. But so I, I think he he could be put into that consideration. But I'm pretty solid on my top six. Okay, so on all our lists, it seems like Trevor Lawrence has kind of dropped down the pecking order, um, except 
Except well, Chris, I had him right? as number one. You you still have him as your winner right now. Um, and I think that's pretty realistic, honestly. But me and Amos have dropped him down. Um, and not because I don't think he's a good quarterback. I honestly think he is the best player in college football right now. If the draft happened today, he'd be the number one overall pick. But that's the loss of two games, I think, might just hurt his consideration a little. Uh, but when he comes back and plays, I don't think that there'll be much doubt again. You know, he'll come back, he'll play well, um, and I think he'll climb back up the rankings. Uh, Amos, kind of the same thing for you? Well, yeah, I think there's a little bit going forward for me with um, Trevor Lawrence. Yeah, I mean, he's missed some games. His team lost. I don't know that the loss is different if he's in the game. I think the Notre Dame probably still ekes that one out. Um, The reason he's dropped, in my opinion, is... Kyle Trask. I mean, the kid is just on fire. Right yeah, now. he's amazing. Um, I I agree with Ty. The kid, I don't know. He's just he's putting up some insane numbers. He's leading the charge in Florida. So, um, I think that's probably why I drop Lawrence so much. Um, you know, Mac Jones, Justin Fields, they're solid players. They're they're gonna get the job done for their team. Um, Mac Jones is just kind of in a good. Set up. It seems like Alabama's plug and play with their quarterbacks. Doesn't matter who it is, they plug them in. They're going to perform well in the offense. It's very offensive friendly for the quarterbacks. So good teams, you're going to have your best player in the talk no matter what. So um, yeah, I'm I have Trevor Lawrence at four, but I'm just I just want to see how he finishes the rest of the year. Um, Kyle Trask also, and uh, I mean in the it, when it boils down to it, them in my Future picks, that'll probably be who it comes down to for um, the Heisman. All right. This will be the last thing we kind of talk about with this Heisman uh, roundtable, I guess. Uh, Chris, who is your favorite player that you have uh, the out of the players you've ranked? Who is your favorite player to watch among these guys? Uh, I agree with Kyle Trask at Florida, but I also am very high on Ian Book. And the reason I – Ian Book's yeah. not putting up fantastic numbers for a quarterback, but then you look at the running backs that he's got behind him at yeah. Notre Dame, and, I mean, it's hard to shine in that group mm-hmm. at the end of the day. It's hard to shine at that group. So I I, I like Kyle Trask, but I also think Ian Book's got the, got a track on it. Yeah, I, I think that's pretty spot on. I think what Ian Book does for Notre Dame is exactly what that team needs. Amos, uh, your favorite player to watch on this list? Well, right now the f- I have I have two, um, Kyle Trask. He's we beat it to death. We probably jinxed the poor kid. He's fun <laughs> to watch. I mean, he's a gunslinger. Um, he's he makes good decisions. He's putting that Florida offense in in the great position to, and they're just rolling. Um, I I say this with just a little bit of hesitation, but I like to watch Zach Wilson because the local tie. But the reason that I, I'm saying that I like to watch him is because of the progression he's made from his freshman and sophomore year to his junior year. You asked me last year that, that, that if he was going to have as good a year he's, he's having, I'd have laughed you out of the building. <laughs> I, yeah. I mean, I wanted that kid to sit on the bench all last year. I would not have given him the opportunity to be the starter at the beginning of this year based on last year. So the maturity that Zach Wilson has shown through this year, 
he's got a great team around him, good offensive line. I think the coaching staff's kind of coming into their own at BYU, which makes it easier for Zach Wilson. But having said that, he is my honorable mention, quote unquote. Mm-hmm. So mostly because he should be putting up big numbers against the teams that he's playing right now. He should be lights out the best player on the field from both sides of the team. So that kind of, in my opinion, hurts him just a little bit. But nonetheless, the dude is fun to watch. He He's a gunslinger. He, he don't, you know, triple coverage, 40 yards down the field. They've been telling me all week I can throw a 50-yard pass. Hell yeah, here we go. So, um... But I don't know if that's necessarily going to win the kid the Heisman. Obviously, I like what Ian Book does. Not necessarily because it's different than Kyle Trask, or it, it is different than Kyle Trask as far as like what they do as quarterbacks. But Ian's book, Ian Book's game management—that's something that I love to see. Like I loved watching uh, Jake Fromm at Georgia, but that's just kind of my style of quarterback—a a guy that plays within himself, lets the game come to him and then takes what is in front of him and, and then just executes when he needs to. Ian Book just doesn't make mistakes. Um, another guy I like watching uh, that we haven't talked about a lot is Justin Fields. I think he's the second-best quarterback in this uh, group right now. I think he'll be great in the NFL. I think he has all the qualities to be great in the NFL. Um, but, yeah, I mean, obviously we've talked at length about the other guys, but I feel like Justin Fields might get might get left out a little here, so – you know, he's the most efficient quarterback in college football. He's got 13 total touchdowns through three games, nearly 1,000 total yards. I mean, that's that's big numbers. So, uh, you know, those are two guys I really enjoy watching. But Kyle Trask, he's, he's the one to watch on this list, I oh, think, yeah. by far. Okay, uh, so there's a Heisman watch. Obviously, just, you know, our lists are very different. But uh, there seems to be consensus among a, a lot of the guys. Well, we here. all agree on Zach Wilson to a certain extent. <laughs> I agree. But I think that's a local kid thing. Right. Okay, so let's move to our games to watch this week. Um, obviously, you know, we won't do this podcast weekly. Uh, so we'll kind of give you guys some games to watch coming up next week um, and then talk about games uh, in the week after when we update this podcast. Uh, so, Chris, let's start with the game you're watching uh, the closest. Or what game intrigues you the most coming into this week? I actually have two games, probably a toss-up. They came on at the same time, so I'm going to be flipping back and forth. All right. Um, I like Wisconsin at Northwestern. I really, really hope that Wisconsin doesn't have a letdown week. Mm. I hope that they can go into this week, play within themselves, uh, play, play as well at Northwestern as they did at Michigan. I also like Cincinnati at UCF. We'll but Ty doesn't want me to talk no, about no, that we'll, one right now. We'll do one at a time. Okay, so I'm done with Wisconsin and Northwestern. Okay, that's all. All right, that game uh, being played at 1.30 on ABC should be a fun one to watch out for. Um, Amos, your top game to watch this week? Okay, so I'm kind of looking forward to watching Clemson, Florida State, 10 a.m. Mountain Standard Time on ABC. I'm just wanting to see if there is any rust for Trevor Lawrence, um, if there's a letdown in general for Clemson. I feel like if Clemson comes out um, crisp, if Trevor Lawrence comes out crisp and they just destroy Florida State, that they're back on track, they're going to look solid heading into the ACC championship. 
but as I talked about in the in the episode earlier, um, they got to take each game. They can't overlook any. So that's kind of one of the games I'm looking towards this week. Uh, a game that I'm really looking forward to watch this week. I think it'll be one of the the more entertaining games. Uh, well, it has the potential to be one of the more entertaining games this week. Uh, will be Indiana at Ohio State, uh, 10 a.m. Mountain Time on Big Fox. Um, the reason I'm highlighting this game is because I think if if Indiana can figure out a way to beat Ohio State, then then they're going to go into the conference championship game. So to me, this is kind of like uh, the decider of who will represent this side of the division in the conference championship game against most likely Wisconsin. Uh, but that's that's just my opinion here. So that's my big game to watch out for. Uh, Chris, you have another game. We, we all have one more, but Chris, what's your next one? Uh, Cincinnati at UCF. Um, I want to see this game for a couple of reasons. We have Cincinnati and BYU flip-flopping at, uh, well, I have BYU at 7 and Cincinnati at 8. I think you guys had 8 and 7 reversal. Um I'm curious to see if Cincinnati can maintain its role and stay undefeated. Um, I, I have a vested interest in watching this game because I want to see them lose, in a sense, because that will solidify BYU's uh, ranking over the top of them. Uh, we talked about Cincinnati having an outside shot at being considered for a bowl game, uh, and I think it depends on their ability to continue to run the table and stay undefeated. So that's why I'm interested in the Cincinnati-UCF game at 1.30 p.m. on ESPN. All right, and all these times we are saying are in Mountain Standard Time, so do keep that in mind. Uh, Amos, I think you have highlighted the most exciting game of the entire weekend. Yeah, I agree. I mean, there's no def- let's be honest, there's no defense in the Pac-12, or the Big 12. I think it's going to be a shootout. Um, I think, like I alluded to earlier, Oklahoma State's coming off of a bye. It's a good time for them to hit the bye. Oklahoma's kind of hitting their stride on offense. I think Spencer Ratliff is starting to kind of get a groove going there. Um, it's a rivalry game, the Bedlam series. So, um, you know, it, it, there's no, there's the only thing that these guys are worried about right now is this game. They're right. not worried about the CFP. They're not worried about their win-loss. This They want the bragging rights in-state on this game. Um, like I said, it, it, my opinion is going to be how many fingers, hands, and toes can you count? It's going to be a ridiculous score. Um, it, it should be a lot of fun to watch. Uh, I, I am looking forward to this one. It's going to be a good one. Sh- uh, 5.30 Mountain Standard Time on ABC. I think when we talk rivalry games, this Oklahoma State-Oklahoma game is up there with like Michigan-Ohio State, Texas-Oklahoma, uh, BYU, Utah, Notre Dame, USC. Like it is, even though sometimes it's not the, they're not great teams, it's still an amazing game. Like just the allure, Medlam at Bedlam is, is so much fun to watch yeah, for some it's reason. It's going to be a good one. And a little side note on this um, there's going to be a limited amount of fans in attendance. So, um, you know, if anything we've seen from this year, that little bit of extra crowd noise should help both teams. Right. Hopefully uh, nothing like the <laughs> Notre Dame-Clemson game. That was <laughs> that was awesome. <laughs> Super spreader, goal, post, hair downer. I, I'm sorry, another side note. You know, Oklahoma's kind of dominating this series. So um, it's a important game. 
for both teams, but I think Oklahoma State's primed for a win. Mm-hmm. Uh, they're kind of in control of their destiny, like I said earlier. So um, I think it, I think Oklahoma State gets the edge, but man, it's gonna be it's gonna right. be a shootout. Gonna be a good game. Yeah, I'm excited. Um, all right, the last game we'll kind of highlight and talk about uh, is USC at Utah, eight thirty Mountain Standard Time on ESPN. Um, the reason I have this game highlighted is because I actually really like USC. Um, you guys tend to like Oregon here, but I, I like USC. I love their quarterback play. I think they do need to figure out their run defense because in the first two weeks against the Arizona, uh, the two Arizona schools, they just got picked apart on the ground. Uh, obviously, we know Utah brings a strong run game year in and year out. That's kind of the foundation of what the Utes build their programs on. Um, but I want to see if USC can just – well, number one, I want to see the game played because <laughs> – Very good point. <laughs> because of what Utah has been going through. But I really want to see if USC can just kind of stamp out a game and establish themselves as a front runner like Oregon has because USC has Colorado hot on their heels. And Colorado's game against Arizona State was canceled due to COVID. Unfortunate. But Colorado, I mean, they're right there. So for USC to really distance themselves from Colorado, I think they need to come into this game, be dominant. Um, and I think it's of the night games after the Bedlam, um, after Liberty North uh, NC State, you know, I think this will be the best night game available for you guys to watch. Um, and obviously I think it's kind of a turn into a little bit of a Pac-12 rivalry, you know, quote-unquote yeah, Pac-12 yeah. rivalry, even though USC really kind of dominates every time they play. Um, but if Utah can figure out some things to get this game played, it's going to be a fun game to watch. Obviously, you know, uh, late kickoff on the East Coast, but fun for some more people in the West. Uh, is there any closing thoughts you guys have before we leave? CFP, Heisman, um, anything we haven't touched on that you guys like to see? Um, well, I, I think, you know, we're all curious to see how North Alabama and BYU game comes out because BYU's had a an off week. They're coming back now. Um, I think that would be a game that would be worth tuning into to watch. All right. Amos, any final thoughts for us here? Well, the only final thought I have is um, let, let's hope that the Pac-12 is able to get a full slate of games and, uh, I mean, of the games that they have still left to play. I mean, we know we have one canceled. So, um I th- I'm hoping that there's more games. All these games stay slated. It kind of seemed like it was a rough week last weekend for m- games missed because of COVID. So, um, yeah, some great games coming forward, and uh, thanks for having me on, Ty. Yeah, it was great. Uh, the last the last thing I do want to leave you guys with is they did announce this week uh, that the Heisman is going to be presented uh, virtually on January 5th. So, you know, obviously we will – Probably have an episode before that going much more in-depth on our Heisman guys and really solidify our favorites and who we would vote for going in. Uh, but obviously, that's that's a while away. Um, and then another thing I want to leave you guys with is we will, you know, UFC 255 is this weekend, and we'll be doing a, a watch-along event with that. Uh, me and guest Kaysen, um, who was on the NASCAR watch-along a little bit, will be back for that. Um, so if you guys are interested, we'll be, you know, live reacting to the UFC fights and, uh, that, so that should be a lot of fun. Um, but you know, keep tuning in and we appreciate you guys supporting us. Like I said, go find us on, uh, Instagram and Twitter. 
Uh, we did kind of quit Facebook because I couldn't figure out Facebook <laughs> for some reason. Um, but yeah, uh, or email us at electricsportstalk at gmail.com. Give us your guys' Heisman picks, um, and we'd love to have some listener questions to discuss here on the show. I think that's something as we build. Uh, it'll be fun to kind of have that aspect. So thanks for tuning in, guys. I hope you enjoyed this episode, got some good information. Have a good rest of your day. Peace out. Thank you for listening to this episode of Electric Sports Talk. Tune in next time as Ty, Crystal, and guests break down all things sports here on Electric Sports Talk. Our topics include all things soccer, football, basketball, mixed martial arts, motorsports, baseball, golf, hockey, Olympic, and world sports. If you like what we're doing here at Electric Sports Talk, get in touch with us on Instagram, Facebook, and Twitter. Or email us at electricsportstalk at gmail.com. Thanks for tuning in. 